What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 55 of Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. If you have not done so, please go check out our Facebook page. Go to AboveGroundPodcast.net. Sign up and take our 10-question survey. Uh, where We uh, put out a survey a couple weeks ago, thanks to my wife for putting it together for us. Um, and uh, we put it up. It's like our first anniversary survey to see where we're at, see how we're doing, see what we're doing good, see what we're not doing, you know, all that stuff. So go check it out. Go check it out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, that's a Above Ground Podcast, all one word, Above Ground Podcast, all crunched together. Uh, if you're in the 518 this week, uh, music gigs uh, Friday, I will be playing at the ONTAP uh, Restaurant and Sports Bar in Latham, New York from 5 to 8. So if you're in the 518, uh, stop in the Latham, man. If you're traveling, check out a room there. You know, it's cool. Good place, uh, good good patio. It's awesome. You know, social distancing, wear your mask. Uh, this week's episode is awesome. Uh, we get to talk to a, a very good friend of ours, uh, uh, Todd Hopwood. Uh, Todd, Todd's uh, got an amazing story, man, of recovery and and just his journey uh, on this on this road of life is uh, pretty incredible. And he's a uh, he's a really cool dude, very well spoken and and just chill. And uh, Tim's known him longer than I have, but we've known him a long time. Eh? He's a good dude. Uh, uh, Todd Hopwood's our guest this week, so hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoyed the last two episodes. Uh, Tim and I got to shed our skin a little bit and tell our own stories in our own ways, and uh, uh, the feedback that we've received on those episodes has been really awesome. So thank you so much for checking it out. So without further ado, this week's episode is the interview with Todd Hopwood. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode oh my gosh what episode is it i think it's 55 56 55 55 56 welcome to a new episode Jimmy, are you peeing back there or what <laughs> no i think it's our special hidden guest right now he's uh oh he might he's be pouring himself a beverage of the morning yeah. Yes. yeah yeah i'm done uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true uh, that feels better but, uh, <laughs> nice i love it What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Above Ground Podcast. Obviously, we are here together, but separate. We are doing another one of our favorite episodes, our interview episodes. Yeah. So what's up, TPP? You down with TPP? I'm down. I'm um, I'm here. Wow, dude. You know, I was kind of look I was kind of looking for a little like Cindy cheerleader, not Cindy, uh, Marsha cheerleader. Rah, 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 you know. Oh, uh, yeah, well. Wow, what the hell's up with that? I think you need some go-go juice. Next I time. Some, I think need you some need go-go to, juice. I think you need to dip the joints and and get some go-go juice in the bones and and like have <laughs> <laughs> So uh so we're going to continue our interview series uh this week uh which with a very special guest um I'll let Tim take over after after I do my little stuff, because Tim knows Todd a lot better and a lot longer than I, I have. But Todd's a great dude. Uh, Todd is a um, Todd is a former generalist practice social worker, and he's a former credentialed alcohol and substance abuse counselor. Um, he's had quite the journey himself uh, on the road to recovery, and uh, he's got a great story. He's an awesome dude, and. Uh, I'm going to let Tim take over and we're going to bring on Todd, man. Todd, Todd, real dude, real dude telling a real story. Good That's morning, right. gentlemen. Good morning to you, Todd. <coughs> it's good so, to see you. Yeah, good to see you guys too, both of you guys. Virtual, you. Virtually, yeah, right. virtually, yeah. man. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's, it's been a it's been long, a long time. time. It's been a long, been a long time. time. I've kept in contact um, through text here and there with Todd, though, through the years and Yes. I'm, I'm glad that we, we have, though, just because, um, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're friends. But beyond that, I think we uh, have grown to understand each other a little bit better. I would say that's the case. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think, 
my knowledge that you were kind of going in this direction, you know, in regards to the content in the podcast was, you know, um, one of those things I think fostered even a, 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 a deeper connection. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't know how much of this you've listened to, if you've listened to a, a lot of it at all or not. Um, Probably two dozen of your episodes. Oh, so you, well, so you know where we where we're at as far as, yeah. as feelings yeah. go. And that's, and that's kind of what we've all based it. We've based this whole, this whole thing on is, is the connection. Right. And that's why bringing in people like yourself and, like people from the whole gamut, professionals, former professionals, just regular people like us that are just on the journey, peers, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff as, as we grow this. But so I, I really wanted to just start by just asking in a, in a very sincere way, how, mm-hmm. how are you? I'm great, actually. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, even, uh, you know, mental health is a really important thing right now is I think a lot of people who are uh, interested in, in, in mental health and uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, it's super important right now, particularly with what's going on in the world with the virus stuff. And a lot of us, you know, maybe being either furloughed or laid off or, it, or working from home. And that's the category I fall into. So uh, when you ask me how I'm doing, I I'm, I'm doing really well. Um, in spite, maybe in spite of things that I just mentioned, or, or also to a degree because of things that I just mentioned. That's very and, cool. And that's, that might be a great way to great foundation to work with and, and, you know, maybe discussing some things that have occurred in my, uh, ongoing, never ending journey with, uh, <laughs> mental health issues. Yeah. So I, 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 in my own in my own recovery from my own crisis, mm-hmm. I've I've kind of taken on this recovery thing as a very fluid thing because mm-hmm. recovery to me is a daily thing because mm-hmm. not every day is the same, yep. and not every day do I feel good, nor is it every day that I actually want to actually get up and be part of be part of the world at mm-hmm. all. Did you sure. disappear? <laughs> Where did yeah, you go? I don't know. There's two of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I was wondering how you viewed that recovery. Is is recovery for you a is it fluid, or does it have to be more rigid? Do have you like? And I'm sure you have probably learned so much that you could. You probably have books of of stuff written that you could probably talk about that. You know. Well, I, I think because of a career choice that I made many, many years ago, I, I, I have a unique perspective being somebody who's, for lack of a better term, been on both sides of the desk. Right. So I, I've been the worker and I've been the client. Sure. You know, oh, they, I've, yeah, I've you been the consumer. Perspective. Right. Yeah. I've been the consumer and I've been the healthcare professional. Which so, I think is a, is a, is a, is a, such a valuable thing to to be that person it's i i i just i i to have the experience like firsthand but then to know some of the knowledge and 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 you know educate yourself along the way is i, I don't know i just i commend you for it but i also think it's just the world needs more of that well i think what it does at the very least is that it gives a person a different perspective now, particularly in when it comes to services being received by a person. So all three of us here have received mental health services in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Now, by the time I had made a decision to go back to school and start working on working toward becoming a helping professional, I had already been received, I'd already been in and out of therapy for over a decade, well over a decade. So I already had some sort of, you know, and I was young too. So I had some misconceptions or, you know, ideas about the type of service that was being provided to me and how I perceived it. You know, when I became, 
when I became like, for instance, when I became a substance abuse counselor, I had a whole new appreciation for the the amount of work that goes into it, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, wow, I gotta, you know, it just, just like the mental health journey, it just never ended, but it never ended for me in sort of like a, uh, a, a way that led to burnout. <laughs> well, that's a, I was going to ask you because yeah. I was going to say, because coming from the, the consumer patient, ex-patient side, you know, survivor, yeah. whatever you want to call it yeah. side, which is where the peer side started from yeah. um, to the professional side and experiencing the burnout, you're also carrying all your years of, of, your view of it into it. But I guess what that gives you is a fresh perspective because you've seen it from what actually works in the real world to what right. you could actually provide somebody who is, who's riding the same struggle bus that you've ridden many times over again. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that's true. There, there's a fine line you walk though, when you're, when you're working with, with clients and you might have similar, you might come from a similar background or have those issues there's, is it there's harder some, to take yourself out of the situation is it, it harder be. to take yourself away from how you would deal with it as compared to telling somebody how they should deal with it because you're always looking through it through those those lenses even though you may you right. may take off that layer of lens mm-hmm. of your of your um consumer part and put on the professional <clears throat> layer you're still yeah. going to see it through the original layer of your eyes Right. So it never changes that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. There, a lot, that can happen. You know, you can, and you never know. I mean, you, you, you're working with a different, before I even go on about that, what I wanted to say was when I use the word burnout, I want to make it clear. The, the thing that created burnout for me, it, just in the profession alone, or professions that I decided to work in was, had nothing to do with working with clients. I loved working with clients. You know, my whole thing was, uh, you know, really passionate about people that were duly diagnosed, people that had mental health and substance abuse issues co-occurring, which, you know, I'm not even really a fan of that term because substance abuse disorders in and of themselves are a mental health issue. Yeah. So it's really all totally. I agree. Totally. It's all under one umbrella. I think that I loved working with people. My whole thing, my whole, the thing I loved the most, my whole passion was like working with uh, within an alcoholic family dynamic or, or an addicted family dynamic and doing family work, which I was, you know, fortunate, you know, really privileged to do for a short amount of time within a setting that was more or less a private practice setting um, without wow. doing, without doing clinical work. Cause I don't have a master's and I was never a licensed psychotherapist, but I could do it in a generalist way. So that was, sort of my passion and all that stuff I love doing I can do it all day long at the end of the day and I don't want to discourage anybody who's thinking of getting into this profession whatsoever becoming a social worker whether a general's practice or a master's or maybe even eventually a PhD level social worker doing any kind of clinical work it's really the thing that burns you out is the paperwork and and uh, a lot of and, and, and the regulations state rate it's, it's funny that you were actually just went into that topic i was waiting until you got finished and my first it was like a two-part question but i was gonna say like at first when you first started did it actually help you instead of like create a burnout but then at the same time i was going to ask like some of the factors of, of yeah. the burnout and i in my head i'm thinking the system you know the broken this, system that we have to you know work within you got to work within it and it's broken it's inherently broken it's not once again the, the other thing too is that i've been out of this professional field for over a decade now so you know there are things that might have changed for the better i don't keep abreast of what's going on in the profession i used uh, to be in whatsoever yeah. I don't know if, I think there's a lot of more maybe modalities out. I think there's more modalities out there that people are looking alternatively than just the, the, the DSM five, you know, level right. way of yeah. looking at things. I think a lot more people are looking at holistic things to do and they're trying a lot of different things. And there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different methods out there now that they're opening up a little bit or, I mean, they're opening up LSD, you know, 
assistant yeah, that's, psychotherapy. That's highly which experimental, is, but yeah. I know it is. I know it is. <laughs> and expensive. Very Trust expensive. Me. Very expensive. If I could do it, I would. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. I yeah. looked. I've already looked. I Very mental expensive. health. I think I got a, a um a, a really I developed a really keen awareness of how how important uh, mental health is from the when I got into the field. So it became ultra important for me to have um, be working with my own therapist, which I did for a lot of the time I was in that field. Um, I had to have really, really good clinical supervision and anybody that's going to get into the social worker counseling field, I feel like I'm only as, I'm, I'm, I, in many cases, I'm only as good as the supervision I have. And I, I had the benefit of working in, in one treatment situation where, uh, one, one work environment where it was, uh, highly dysfunctional. Uh, and then going right from that to an environment that was almost like a, a small family. Nice. So you so, saw some, both sides of it. Yeah. Extreme ends of the spectrum almost in a way, wow. you know, it's no different than being in the so, private and public sectors, mm -hmm. depending on which office, depending on what, you know what I mean? Depending on where, yep. where you work. You know? Yep. I went from a medical situation, a <laughs> hospital situation, high paced detox rehab, unit management, case management situation where it's fast, fast, nonstop. And I love the speed of it. The dysfunction of it was awful. And then I went to a more relaxed outpatient setting, which was really set up more like a private practice. And then uh, that's where I really kind of fit in really well. Um, but once again, it, I attributed that to the work environment. Uh, every one of my coworkers was mentally healthy and always really, and they were veterans. I mean, I was a kid coming in and they had been working there for decades and I had great supervision. So, you know, that was a great that's, way to end it. For that, me. Yeah, that's, that is great. Yeah. That is yeah. great. That experience alone. Well, yeah. it does go to show that, you know, you need good leaders, or right. people who are willing to lead and put themselves out there to lead. And I was fortunate enough to have that and, 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 and the type of leadership that I could learn how to model, you know, so. That's great. But, you know, that's a, that's a blip in a radar compared to, uh, you know, my life as a, uh, as a, a, a mental health client, a consumer of or mental health services. So now you are current, you are currently a client still. I am. I've been with the same therapist for almost 12 years. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Man. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's for, really you're important. Fortunate. You're fortunate. Yeah. Not everybody Very has fortunate. that luxury. Yeah. I've had a lot of them over the years. I mean, you're going, I'm be 45 tomorrow. I'll, uh, oh, no kidding. Tomorrow's your yeah. birthday? Happy yeah, birthday. Tomorrow's my wow. birthday. And happy Father's Day to the dads out there. Um, uh, thank but you. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've been I've been receiving mental health treatment for thirty years, so since the age of fifteen. So I've had a lot of I've had a lot of, I've had clinical psychologists that I've gone to see who you know, you know, licensed clinical social workers, you know, have any licensed therapist you can think of. I've seen. I was even fortunate enough for a small, brief amount of time, way way back, to actually have an MD psychiatrist who engaged in talk therapy. You don't see that anymore ever, you know psychiatrists or med management you see them for yep. 15 yeah, minutes you're in and out right yeah. i've only been to one i share this story all the time yeah so it, for i had me, a bad, bad experience i won't go back i like that's why i don't that's why i'm not on any meds oh you're not on any meds okay yeah that's, I guess not, the, that's not the only reason he's not on any meds but we'll <laughs> leave it at that we'll leave it at that okay yeah um a uh, part of me Jimmy. when part of me when i hear you say that i envy it because I would love to not be on them. I would love to not be on them. But at the, at the same time, I have an acceptance that, you know, these things kind of keep me from going in a direction maybe I don't want to go in. But for me, it's always been the one-two thing. It's got to be the uh, therapist, uh, licensed psychotherapist with an MD psychiatrist. And for me, that's simply because I'm getting meds and my, and my therapist, my psychiatrist work really well together. 
I like my psychiatrist who usually gives me more than the requisite 15 minutes, which I love. He's are a good they within guy. the same practice or are they same practice? practice? Yep. Okay. They're, even, okay. they're even so cool that they'll take me together on one day and just bill me once. That's, oh, that's awesome. Wow, that's that's so, yeah. good for <laughs> That's good for great. them. Well, that's yeah, a twelve-year. That's, that's a twelve-year relationship, though. Too. Yeah, these are Bill. right, but these are they're stand-up. They're stand-up guys. They're they're, sure. they're very they're very good at what they do. So it's actually really nice to hear that that there is people out there that you know because you you don't really hear that part of it. You hear a lot of the horror stories and and, um, and once it's, one yeah and once again I think I'd be willing to bet that these folks it. it uh, where I'm currently receiving this treatment, have great supervision and provide great supervision. So you kind of led me into the next question that I have for you. Yeah. What do you think, as, from your own standpoint, what do you think the, and I'm not asking you to be a statistician here. I, what do you think that the correlation is between the professionals and the clients and where they cross over? Is there a high percentage of, of professionals who had been clients, do you see? And or do you, or do the professionals not let on that they would even see somebody like what's the stigma? What's the stigma within the professional community of, of their own mental health for, you know, their own personal mental health that you've well, seen? It's something I'd be more inclined to think about in the substance abuse arena, particularly, and also maybe people that are providing certain mica services, which is mentally ill, chemically addicted. Right. Okay. Um, there's a good chance that you've got people, uh, frontline workers, like counselors, like I was, um, that are recovering. Okay. Um, That's what I you figured. Know. But, um, but really, it's the important thing to me is, um, at this point in my life, one, I don't really think about it too much now. And um, I if I have a therapist whose behavior might lend me to lead me to believe that I have to think about it, then it might be a problem. Um, I don't have to ask. I don't ask. Um, I know, you know, the substance abuse setting, I got asked all the time. Um, people want to make that connection and, and, and people want, people seem to be, you know, particularly in the substance abuse treatment field seem to think that, well, a counselor can't be effective at helping somebody um, with substance abuse issues unless they've been there myself or themselves. themselves. Right. I have been there myself, but also, you know, I, once again, I had a great <laughs> prep course in my education where, you know, boundaries are also a part of this, you know, right. and right. I can, I, and, and from my own experience, you, you, you know, you don't have to ever, have had a, a, a substance abuse or a mental health issue yourself to be an effective helper. That's just not the way it is, you know, and I can, I can attest to that because, you know, I've had counselors and, 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 and therapists throughout my life who, particularly in substance abuse, who have no history of personal substance abuse issues. Now, maybe did they have it in, in the family growing up? Was the alcoholic or addicted family dynamic there? Could be, but it just didn't matter to me. It, what matter, and, and it doesn't now. Uh, what matters to me is, you know, how can you make a connection? Can you be an effective helper? Can you affect change? Can can you establish a rapport with me? And can I establish a rapport with you? And that's why it's so important to have ther a therapist that you can do that with and establish a rapport with. And, and work with over time. My therapist knows everything about me, everything, you know? So- Yeah, they're it, one of the few people that probably do know the, yeah. everything about everybody that, that, that people that use that yeah. modality. I, but, I love therapy, I love talk therapy, it's awesome. But, but I, I can also get up in front of a room of 200 people and talk about every single terrible thing that I did as an addicted, you know, person too so it also helped me to be a better communicator no kidding that's, that's awesome but that's man. awesome that you can share that though yeah thank you that was so that, that's a great that point of leads view. me and that kind of leads it. me to the next and that leads me to the next question i guess is that where do you see peer support on the on the level of is it is it equal to professional support does professional support need to be just an echelon higher or is it is it more, is it slightly more important to know you have a community 
of people who have who have walked these steps just like you are well when you're talking about support in the professional community versus support um in like maybe the mental health and recovery community when you're getting support from fellow patients or you know from that perspective um it's different um but i, I think where the similarities lie is you know it, it, it it's it, it's as important as the quality of support you receive um but um it's a little different i think the way i would talk to peers um about certain things might be a little different than the way i would talk to fellow professionals about certain things particularly in the recovery community because you know then we're sort of talking about um not only support but i think you know i wouldn't talk about my substance abuse issues with a uh with a supervisor or even a fellow subordinate in the way that i might appear you know? right. okay. that makes sense yeah uh, did I answer that well? I don't know if that's no, I got that. That makes yeah, sense. No, yeah, no, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. I, I agree I, with it personally. Do you find that peer helps? Helps? Do you find that peer support helps? Oh God, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'd be dead without it. I think. I mean, I can't overstate it enough. I mean, I'm, you know, been in and out of twelve step for went to, to nineteen. So 26 years, um, but those, the people that I've met uh, in and out of that over two, two plus decades, I mean, I'm still in contact with on a regular basis, a lot of them. So that's, a small core group of people. That's awesome yeah. though. And once again, that's similar to a therapist uh, client relationship too. the one that I current, current therapist client relationship that I have, because it's once again, I, I've known these people for decades and we, we know everything about one another. So. You know, the, my, my, the level of support and the quality of support I get is contingent on how honest I am. Well, you, right. so you get what yeah. you put in. Right? You get what you put in. Correct. Yeah. So you get what you put in. Yeah. Nice. Todd, can you, I, I would like to kind of hear a little bit um, more of um, you had said about uh, how the correlation, I guess, with, with um, substance abuse and mental health how they how they're interconnected and stuff i i uh i can i you know just hearing you talk about how many times you've done the the 12-step program and how long you've been doing this and i used to work with todd many years ago and um yeah. i remember there and this was you know we were young and i was i was i was definitely oblivious to a lot of things but uh i remember one incident very clearly uh, we, again, we worked together. Todd didn't show up for a shift. And I think the boss kind of knew more of Todd's situation than any, any of the, his employees or friends at that, at that stage. So the boss left work and he drove around and he actually ended up finding Todd and, you know, bringing him, you know, back, trying to help him out. And, you know, I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this kid is like, he's he's so talented he, he's because todd's a guitar player he's he's got music in his dna i mean his dad yes, was does. a, a yeah, very profound uh musician in the area um but he was just he's just very talented guy and i was just like all these people were like you know like hey man where were you like you know all these people were caring about him but it it would and i don't mean this in a, in a negative way but it almost was like it, it didn't matter like you know what i mean because and again, not in a negative way. I'm just telling the story, right. but like, you know, he would end up doing it again. You know what I mean? And we were like, and, and for me personally, I just didn't understand it at all. I was just like, man, this dude's awesome. Like, why can't he just like, you know, so I, I and that's, I guess maybe the ignorant side of, of, of coming from me, you know, from other people. So I guess what I was looking for is if you can kind of tell a little bit of, of that journey to where, what brought you to where you were like, I'm going to, you know, buckle down and go to school and, and, you know, kind of turn it around. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I, the incident that you're referring to, um, so there was, 
another five years of that behavior. <laughs> so I'll get there first. So that's that that's pretty uh, pretty a pretty big part of that. If you're if you're using that incident as point A, and that incident had played whatever out, I was just, yeah what, I was like, just well I mean from getting so from some like a situation like that to making a decision to say okay this isn't this behavior isn't working anymore you know right and, yeah that's exactly uh, I, I have to be real when I'm talking about things that have to do with addiction one of the things that and and particularly my own self-talk the stuff that goes in my head I have to really when I start verbalizing these things I've got language is super super important so you might hear me say something and stop myself and go back and correct because my attic brain is working nonstop. And it will cause me to say things in a way that might uh, sort of, uh, you know, under sort of uh, make light of or, uh, you know, any rationalized behavior. And I, yep, I yep, might yep. catch me stopping myself. So um, what happened was that kind of behavior. And, you know, one of the reasons I want to say that our, our boss at the time went out and looked for me is because he was really acutely aware of family alcoholism. So and, yep. uh, he had all the, he had all the, uh, knowledge of signs, but he had all the hallmarks of an ACOA an adult child and an alcoholic. So I mean, it all, yeah, it me all too. There. Me too. I, that, that's where I um, come from too. You know, basically to get from like behaving that way, to making a decision is you know either you stop you know and you get tired of it or or something or somebody stops you <laughs> you know so um i did not make the decision to uh stop my ingestion of alcohol and narcotics on my own um it was it was made for me um, prior to that happening, I was uh, always had thought to myself, you know, maybe I could do something to help somebody else because I've got had all these experiences. And I eventually got to that. Took you know, that's like five years after like the incident that Tim is talking about. Um, I simply put, I uh, I had gotten in a lot of trouble i had to make my way through criminal court system and uh and that's a I whole made, other that's a whole other podcast yeah. for mental health boy going through the criminal justice system that's mm -hmm. yeah so once that had run its course i uh you know i had uh, my head had cleared a little bit and i said you know i decided to uh lay low and work for a year doing some labor work and i said if i can stay clean for a year I'm, i'll maybe take sign up and take a class one class became two became a full time semester look full-time work course load and uh then that was it you know and then i was just locked right into that that's awesome so, that's good. Yeah. did that so you found, did you found an outlet to unleash all that yeah, I think for me it was a lot of work. I mean, we it, it it's a lot of work for anybody, but it was you know there's just so much work involved in in working with people, and and it just it became apparent to me that um, taking care of myself was going to be really really important if I was going to do this effectively. That's awesome. So um, is that? Is that a tip from you to say that if you're going into this, that you better be at least working on being as well as you can be? I have not to, well you, now. You can only take a patient as far as you come. And that's the way it is. You know, the, the more tools I have, the more I work on making myself mentally healthy um, and, and actually doing the work, then I'm, I'm, you know, it's going to increase my effectiveness as a helper immensely. Right you know well well um, said man well said i you know it's <clears throat> people are going to do what they're going to do you know right uh, you know one of the things in in the treatment field is like you might set up services for a person like what i used to do is i worked in an inpatient medical rehab detox so people are in there 
going through the physical withdrawal detox and are transitioning over into a treatment setting for 25 days, roughly. Uh, and then you're setting up uh, aftercare for them and you might never see them again, you know? And uh, so you don't get to really see the impact you have on that person, you know? We talk about that. We've actually had conversations about whether we're actually making any impact whatsoever, but I, I, you can see it. You can see it though. I mean, I guess you just have to get over your own bullshit to to see. Right. But that's the, that's the ego stuff, you know, right. That's it. You know, it, 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 eventually, you know, it's like, if you're going to, if, if you're going to like pursue this kind of work, it, you know, it, 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 it won't ego dies really a slow did. death. Well, or it can go in the opposite direction, but it really, it occurred to me that it really didn't matter whether I knew or not. All that occurred, all that occurred to me really, was, was I am with this pe- person or persons for this window of time. And I have to do the absolute best I can to get them prepared for the next thing. Because oftentimes people are coming into a situation like the one I was in, uh, working in, in a medical situation, and they're going on to a, a, a maybe um, a higher or longer level of care. So okay. could be, uh, it could be, it, they could be going into a halfway house for 18 okay. to 36 months. They could be going into a hardcore inpatient treatment facility where they're in there for six to nine to 12 months. So, or they could be going home. So if they're going home and they express an interest, you know, if, if they're going to go home and they're not going to do therapy, uh, you know, or in the traditional sense, and then maybe they're, they're looking towards 12 step and maybe you can tell that they have it in them to be self starters. Now that they've got the chemical out of their system for X amount of days and they can, and they can do it on their own. They can transition right from a re a rehab setting, clinical setting to, going to like 12 step meetings on their own, um, then so be it, you know, and as a person in recovery, maybe in, in going to meetings, as I did, I, I might run into that person there. That's one of those u- unique little things that you have being on both sides of the fence. Right. But yeah, you know, but once again, it's a, it's, it's a boundary issue. You know, I, I would not, if I ran into a person at a meeting, I would not be talking about, stuff that happened in the clinical environment with them simply because I couldn't. Right. You know, you know well, right. I'm bound by confidentiality rules for one. But some of that just seems, just, some of that just sounds so common sense though. Why would you just it, openly like you, start talking about? Trust me, man, you would, you would be surprised to how many people you'd meet in, 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 in that field who have none, no sense of boundaries right. because they've and never, some, do, they've never done any of that. Kind right. Of some of it's stuff. human nature. So you're, um, you're, you're you're actually trying to make a connection but you don't realize right you know what i mean like well, i, I could see how i could have a problem with that too because i'm an open book because i talk about this stuff all the time so it's like i and i have being no an open book talking is, about my stuff is that's huge though being an open book is i think is highly advantageous i think that i i see that as different than you know talking about confidential things blabbing that openly oh, to people sure. yeah, yeah oh, that's absolutely. totally different oh but, absolutely so yeah i so it's uh it's important that you know i i i it was important for me to know what my role was and uh and uh do the best i can with it could within that role that's, that's it that's you know that's that's all you can do that's it so, so and, and I know this because I've known you for a long time and I know you are quite the guitar player. So as far as um, your own personal recovery, where has art and music and everything played into it? Has it played into it? Has it, or, or has art been the source of some of this? Have some of the demons cleared out of the closets? Like have you, I well, guess it's a multi-part, I guess it's a multifaceted question. So I should have probably. Sure. To be honest, I haven't played in a while um several months um and i i and that's only because i kind of like crest and trough with this stuff it's like some you know i'll go for long periods without doing it and then i'll go for a window of time where i'm doing it a lot i'm always listening to music yeah (laughs) um so that never ends um but actually as, as far as making it 
No, I I just have not been. I've been doing other things. I've been been trying to get back into shape. I've been like a you know a lot of people. I've been working from home since May seventeenth. I mean March seventeenth, rather. Yeah. March seventeenth. So, um, I've been. You know, a lot of people, you know, you get sedentary working from home, gain weight. I've been trying to lose weight. I've been running. I've been cycling a lot and listening to music and listening to music. And I've got other passions. I'm a big soccer fan. So now that that's that's, now that that sports back on, I'm watching that a lot. But, you know, I my my life is really simple and I want it to I want it to be simple because I can make things so complicated and I've made my life in the past so unnecessarily, no, so unnecessarily complicated that. It's just that at, at this age, I don't want it. You know, I'm perfectly content. But, you know, I've got friends that are worried about me, people that I've known since I was a little kid. Like, you know, how Todd's stuck in that house all by himself. Not, I mean, how, how's he going to handle that? I'm like, well, you don't know me well that well, do you? I mean, it's like you know, one of my smart-ass <laughs> buddies goes, are you kidding me? He's been to jail so many times. He's been locked up. It's like it's, he, he can handle being locked. He can be handle being locked in for days at a time, and that's true, actually. And it's it's it's, it's interesting too. Because who would have thought that being incarcerated for for periods of time would have actually turned out to you know create an advantage for me in this situation? Yeah, right. Because it's easy. But plus, well, I'm yeah, I, but I, now you got your freedom, though. You got your right. freedom in your house. You got right. your refrigerator. You got your computers. You got yeah, exactly. You want your guitars? You got your guitars. It, it's all here. Yeah, and and. Uh, but it is it is funny because uh, you know a lot of people can't handle being locked in in any way, shape, or form. Not just the jail thing, obviously, but obviously, you know, a lot of people just you know we're social creatures by by nature. Um, right. I right. tend to be at odds with that a lot because I am pretty introverted, and I I you know at this I I have severe anxiety about it. I have no problem talking about that, like going to a mall or something. No way. Just no way. Big crowds, no way. So even which sucks because concerts kind of pose a problem. But um, you know, uh, so being able to stay in from for now months has not affected me. Um, that having been said, I know how it can affect me, and and my thinking and my diseased thinking is so insidious that it will gradually sneak up on me to the point where it, it's a problem. I mean, people, like I said, people are meant to socialize, you know, even introverted people like myself need to socialize to a degree. I teleconference with my therapists, I, my therapist and my psychologist, we do all that over the phone. Nothing's changed. Um, do you, you know, do you and like- I keep a small circle of friends. Do you like telemedicine? Do you find telemedicine to be helpful? I like, think you find all this. I'd rather have the face-to-face experience, um, but it's it. I just see it simply right now as a necessity. Okay, so it just it, it, it has just, to be done. Okay, yeah. There's no way I could do this without you know being able to re up on my meds and and speak right. with my therapist. I mean, I could do it. But, you know, eventually, you know, my own thinking will trump any any kind of work that's been done with my therapist. And, you know, I'll have blinders on and it'll be a mess. Wow. So, Do you find that, because like, I know you've mentioned that the thinking and, and the yeah. thoughts, you know, swirling around in your head. Do you think that um, throughout the years has any of that think, thinking decreased? Uh, has the, it been the, easier to combat, you know, that kind of, you know what I say this sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't a lot of times I will say it's gotten harder. I feel like my illness has uh, gotten more sophisticated over the years and maybe it's just because it happens to parallel the fact that, you know, when we get older, um, our life becomes more complex. You know, the mental health issues I was dealing with at fifth, from 15 to 19 were not the same mental health issues I'm dealing with as a middle-aged man. No. You know, um, a lot of stuff has happened in between them. So, you know, that's all fodder for, you know, crazy thinking up here. So, right. um, so I think it's just gotten more complex and in a lot of ways more difficult. So I've got to, I've got to call on other things, you know, and, and the other things that, that, happen now as an adult like physical pain things like that 
Yeah, physical, yeah. Pain, physical pain can have a huge impact. On Tell me about health. it. So, yeah, yeah about you know, it. any right, any one of us, we're all pretty much roughly the same age. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. My I had spine surgery in thirteen, man. It's yeah, like that, like just that whole surgery and all that ish area back there being like any day you could wake up and your head just feels like somebody just took a bat and just bashed you on it. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I've had, I had a lot of that. So. A lot of, a lot of that stuff can just get you thinking, particularly if you're predisposed towards addiction. Like, you know, I've had to have procedures done where, you know, well, we can prescribe you enter name of opioid here. Sure. Uh, and uh, I got to, you know, I got to say no. Right. You know, um, because the problems, because the problems that I have right this very instant with you, doctor, will will increase tenfold but i don't have to explain it like that i just go to my doctor look i'm an addict i can't have you know Uh, i can't be using um right you can't be giving me uh oxymorphone you can't be giving me hydrocodone you can't you know i can't have a (laughs) dilaudid you know give me an 800 milligram motrin and i'll i'll sweat out the rest of it if it gets worse but you know that's that's one of the things that it took me years to do because um, that's, that's a good indicator that I've grown a little bit in my own mental health journey that I'm putting that boundary on. I mean, there was a time I would literally go to doctors and manipulate them to get medicine. Sure. That's a, that's a trait. That's a trait. That's highly, you know, that's something that's going on for many, many, Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I know this from just dealing with my own mother, my mother's own major mental illness that she has, cause she lives with schizoaffective disorder. Okay. And yeah. she doesn't like to take meds. She thinks her meds do all kinds of stuff to her. Mm-hmm. And, and they, and, she, and I've been in her appointments where she's manipulated her, her med manager to actually lower the dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's because it, so it works both ways you can manipulate it to get it or you can manipulate to get out of it to lower it right to lower yeah. it. and it's do you find that that happens too to people did you find that during i mean now it's different when you're going into in through an emergency room or in through a, a detox where you're mm-hmm. like in in crisis where you need to have something happen but as you get well, do you find people like want to stop taking it and they manipulate to get out of it just as much as they do to get it? Yeah. Um, I guess I could probably speak from experience on that as well. Um, because earlier when you said you're not on any meds and I said, I envied you. Yeah. That kind of ties into this. So, um, meds have side effects. Yes. When you're taking multiple meds, like I am, um, the chances that they're going to interact with each other in a way that might create other side effects is high. Yeah. Um, luckily, the meds that I'm taking aren't like that, but, uh, you know, I won't necessarily nowadays, you know, not at all. I don't do it. I, I, w- I wouldn't manipulate to get off them in the other direction. Usually I would just stop taking them all together, which is really not a good thing at all. I just don't, I have done it in the past. I've gone cold turkey and just said, you know, screw this. I'm not taking it anymore. And then I'll follow up with my psychiatrist two weeks later and, and say, look, I'm not taking it. And he'll be like, well, you know, you can't just, you need to lean off this. I'm, you know, well, I'm taking this in the morning, this one thing and five things are happening over here and I can't do this, this, and that. And, uh, you know, I've come off it. I haven't done that in many years, but I have done it before. Um, but that's one of those things now, you know, that I'm learning, learned over the years to be really try to be as honest as possible with myself about my motivations behind a move like that. Sure. And I, I think that that's a thing, man. You have to be yeah. honest. Why are you looking? And, that, and that's been part of my issue with men yeah. because I will, I will be the first one to be honest about it, man. I will misuse things. 
Mm-hmm. When I know yeah. that things can create other other things, I will misuse things. I've right. I've, I've done it in the past, and I, yep. I know that that's part of it. Yeah. And I also have the experience of the last thing that I the last time I was on a really heavy I was on lithium for a, for a while. Mm-hmm. But then when I found out that um, I, I had found out some information about it and from family and stuff that I was like, okay, I got to get off of this because it's just not what the unfortunate the downside of of it didn't didn't did not correlate with the upside of it to me it just didn't but that yeah, was me if, for, that's me personally though that's me i'm personally. surprised they still even use that to be honest with you but because it's old and it's it's tried it's, and true so they say but you know. it's an old drug i was on it for a while um and i didn't like the side effects for me it was shaking of the hands yeah, um, me too. Once, I was yeah. having a hard time holding on to my guitar, man. Right, right. Like, so, once again, if 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 it's something like that, and the the the, uh, the cons outweigh the pros, you right? Know, you're not deriving any benefit from this. It's got that's it's got to go. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I like I said, I I think my mental health and my addiction issues. Um, are always there whether that I'm feeding them or not. And I have to really, I can't afford to be complicated about this. I have to be really, really to the point. So in my head, and and, and it's got to be really simple thinking. So if I decide one morning to go, F it, I'm not taking my med regimen anymore, you know, then the thought needs to come into my head and it does often. Well, is this, what is this behavior about? Is this, you know, is this behavior leading me closer to a drink or a drug or is it leading me further away from them? Uh, so is that the, the, is that the base question for you every day? Then oh, yeah, could you lot. kind of sum it up to say is, is, am I, am I a step today? Where am I on that level of 11 on either side of the. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a spot check thing. It's yeah. like a spot check, you know, inventory or stock of yourself to say, you know, look, you know, Maybe awesome. I, maybe, maybe I can, you know, leave a voicemail message for my therapist and go, look, I'm, I, I don't feel like being on these meds anymore. You know, what can we do? You know, and then if we're going to rearrange a dose or rearrange, you know, a whole med altogether, then, then we'll work it out that way. But I have to talk it through. I, you know, the talking part is the really the most, I think for me, the most important part. I tell myself all sorts of crazy stuff all day. If I verbalize it, then it's, I'm sharing it. Now, now, now other people know about it. So it, talk about ego deflation. You know, I've, <laughs> give, I've given up my power now because I've right. shared it with you. Now you know. Right. So that's really, really important. And if I can hear myself verbalizing the crazy shit that goes in my head, then I might really truly think that I need to do something about it. Because if I keep it to myself, the chances are I'm going to run with it. Oh, and that's, okay. that's, so it's more of you getting rid of it and just yeah. getting it out of yourself. Absolutely. Dispelling it. And exactly. So yeah, being mindful absolutely. and I, yeah. being and, very, and, very honest. Right. And that goes back to the whole thing of being introverted and spending a lot of time with yourself. When I spend a lot of time with myself, I talk to myself and the audience is awful, you know, because it's just me. Of course. So do you do any form of meditation, yoga? Do you do any of that stuff? I do. This, this, this book right here was a big turning point for me. This is called finding the still point by John Dato Lori. And after and after I can give you the information, on I'm going to put that want. in the show notes, but it's uh, it, the book is finding the still point, a beginner's guide to Zen meditation. Ah, and this has been a real helpful thing for me. It's an ongoing practice. I thought there were rules to this sh- stuff. There are none. <laughs> no, there's none. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, because I'm like, geez, you know, I would work with people that, you know, I'd be meditating and working with people who have been doing it for decades. And I'm like, you know, I can't focus. I'm like, you, you know, you're supposed to let the racing thoughts happen. You know, you're not supposed to try to suppress them. You know, it's a, like, well, yeah, everybody thinks everybody thinks you're just going to be floating out in the blank galaxy where yeah. there's not going to be anything. And it's not, no, it's not, that's not the way it goes at all. No. So it's when the racing a, thoughts come through faster in light speed, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got to just let them, but you got to just let them come. 
you know, it's a practice like anything. I'm like, oh, this is like learning an instrument or something. Or a language. It, 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 let, them, let them come and let them go. Let them come and write. Right. That's, that's exactly the, right. That's the yep. whole idea. Yeah, we talk a lot about Buddhism and, and I'm, I'm, we're slow, slow learners here. At the Me too. Podcast. Real slow learner. <laughs> Complete knucklehead, Will, really. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Not, you, get, you, you give me a solution, I'm going to balk at it. I'm going to tell, tell you. I don't well, that's, way, that's right. Everybody does, man. That's the, yeah. that's the cynical mind. You know? yep. So cynical, it's not funny. The talk God, thing is out. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you, no, I was just going to say you mentioned music, and we're um, obviously big music fans ourselves, and we always try and incorporate some music um, yeah. within our episodes, kind of you know, just, just what we're about, just because I think it's what helps us be us. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, uh, are you listening to anything lately particular? Oh God. Yeah. What are you going to turn us on? What am I going to go open my Spotify and check out this morning? I tell you, I'm listening to a lot of, cl- well, actually it's summer. So I've been listening. I've been making Yacht Rock mixes. Oh yeah. Dude, you're a big <laughs> Yacht Rock fan too. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Me too. Um, so that, um, what else? I know we're our tie-in is a lot of rock and metal. I have been listening to you know when I do listen to that stuff. I haven't listened to a lot of heavy metal lately at all, but um, I go back to the classic rock. I've been on a like big Deep Purple Mark III thing. Wow! So like the Coverdale Hughes, Lord Payton, uh, Blackmore, yeah, Burn, yeah. Burn, and Bur- Stormbringer. You're the second person that's brought up Burn in the last three days to me. Yeah, maybe that. I need to go listen to it. Yeah, that's a you great, need to go listen to it. I think I need to go listen to it. There must be a message. There's a hidden message in there for me. For... I hear you, universe. I hear <laughs> it. Yeah, even Storm, even Stormbringer, the one after that is great. Oh, and even, a great album. And you know what? You know, as John Lord would say, it's not really a Deep Purple album, but it's a really good rock album, and it's the Mark IV album with Tommy Bowen. Come taste the band. Oh, that's a really good the album. Band. I have yeah. that. That album is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Tommy Bowen was great, man. So yeah, some of that stuff, but the yacht rock mixes are on and oh, uh, yeah, love doing it. that. Yeah. So cool. Who's good, your good. favorite? Well, who's your favorite? What's like what's your favorite yacht rock song, man? Oh god, where do you want me to start? Yeah. Okay, well, Just all right, <laughs> all right. So well, why don't we start with who's your favorite yacht rock artist? Do you have a favorite yacht rock artist? Uh you know what? I probably I'm gonna say Kenny Loggins. And okay. Uh, that kind of sound, for you for your musical expertise i could see that because kenny log is a great songwriter but He's i was kind of thinking i was kind of thinking like you were more of a yacht rock um purist where you kind of went with like uh you know like a one-hit wonder like uh well lobo you know <laughs> lobo right you know i jerry rafferty oh uh, no. <laughs> so Huge. There we I've go, been yeah. no, I've been known to show up at karaoke bars and sing Baker Street and write <laughs> wow, down. Wow, no kidding, yeah. Yeah, I like uh, it. Who else? Ambrosia, Little River oh, Band. Yeah. Oh yeah, River Jesus. <laughs> my favorite you know, yacht rock. My favorite yacht rock artist is England Dan and John Ford Coley. E Dan and J F Coley. Yeah, yeah. dude. Oh yeah. yeah, dude. In England, Dan. I mean, Dan. Dan Seals wrote a bunch of songs. I mean, even country albums. He had a bunch of country albums out after. Exactly, and that's kind of like the Kenny Loggins thing. Those guys. Well, could, I mean, Loggins guys Cena be, wrote right. some really big songs, and here he is on one end doing the bluegrass stuff, more traditional <laughs> folk singer songwriter yeah. stuff, and then here he is on the other end with the horn section and strings, doing all this crazy R and B stuff yeah. with that wacky range of his. You know, I, you know, we were like really into like technical metal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always were, and you know what i think nowadays it, i listen it, to, it, i still it, listen to a lot of black and i've been listening to so much like behemoth and just a lot of you know, black I, and death and yeah i well i was gonna say as a kid i was like wow how do they come up with this stuff and to a degree i still do with a lot of those bands but i think it's harder to write a hit a pop hit that's that sophisticated <laughs> that slick like a kenny Loggins type hit it's hard yeah. It is very hard, even yeah. though it is, even though it's formulaic, 
nowadays 2020 yeah. pop is right i was just about like, to say that yeah nowadays it's, it's probably easy then, to write a pop hit yeah back then it wasn't easy to write a pop it wasn't because that's a, because you were skill. more open to album or i mean especially with we had more album oriented radio stations album exactly. rock stations and where you heard you know where we we only heard the the cut from steve you know from fleetwood mac that was the hit and right. then you had three you know three or four other songs on that rec on a record that were just deep cuts that were just killer cuts yep. man that absolutely and that yeah the, the single might have been the worst song in the album right exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. which, ha yeah. which happened oftentimes so to yep. finish up our podcast we asked three questions and i'm gonna have tim ask you the first question sure but we always finished with up with three questions and one's kind of a lighthearted one and the other two are kind of you know is, is this the favorite word least favorite yes. word yes it is yep. you have is, a favorite buddy. word or least favorite word yeah, and actually my favorite word and my least favorite word are the same. I'm not copping out on you guys. There's a big reason for this. So my fa fa least favorite word and my, my uh, favorite word is no. I'm an That's addict. Cool. Don't tell me no. That's my least favorite thing to hear. As a recovering person who's learning to love himself and set boundaries, no is very empowering. It's a complete sentence. I don't have to amplify my remarks with any other comments. I can simply tell you no. If I wow. feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So. Wow, dude, that was awesome. Wow, it's going to make this next question pale in, pale in comparison because now you're going to go, wow, what the hell did I sign up for? So I, <laughs> and, and, I'm, I, and for me, myself, yeah. uh, pets and animals are a big deal with recovery. So yeah. I, I've, I've asked this, cat, dog, or other well i've always wanted a chimpanzee but <laughs> i uh i don't have pets right now uh, i i did I, I did have cats i i've got a small space and since it's just me i would as much as i love dogs i don't want to have to kennel one all day uh, should i when i return back to work which is going to happen at some point so it's just not practical Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so if I were going to be a, a pet person, it would probably probably go back to having a cat, although I adore both. Um, but, you know, I've always wanted to have a chimpanzee named Mr. Jingles. Or, <laughs> you know, I want him to play drums and like hang out, you know, That's take awesome. him to the park. With him. Dance monkey, dance. <laughs> dance monkey, awesome. dance, right? Yeah. So... You guys, would write some, you guys would write some killer tunes. That's for that's sure. That's true, man. Like, you absolutely. could be banging the you could have you could have a hell of a percussion set up right there with the drummers. Cymbals, drum, yeah. With the drummers, he's going to be listening to hanging out with me. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> what, is there is there one band that you never got to see live that you wish you had? I know. Jeez. I know. That's a tough one. I, I'm I'm sure without a doubt. Um, I'll go. I'll go to metal for this. I don't know why they're popping into my head first for some reason, but cynic. Wow! There you go. Wow! I just, I never got to see them. I mean, I would have said, I would have said, uh, I do this all day. I mean, you know, Mark, Mark, <laughs> three, Mark three, Deep Purple um, would have been great to see. Zappa. I never got to see Frank Zappa. Uh, Jeez, I was just talking about this stuff with a friend of mine, my a friend of mine's brother, who's a, a big music freak. We were talking yesterday at his house, and I'm like, so you were talking about Van Halen. And he's seen pretty much everybody that I would think yeah. that he wants to. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I saw Are him we talking David Lee Roth, Van Halen? Yeah, or? he's like, I saw him three times in 78 when they opened up for Montrose. And I'm like, what? You saw him when they opened up for He's like, yeah. He's like, come here, I'll show you the ticket stubs. Like, <laughs> Guy kept everything. So Van Halen from, you know, 78, somewhere between 78 and 83. Yeah, probably slightly before 83. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I think. Have you, you know, seen the Us Festival? Have you seen the. That's what got the conversation started. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's funny. Because that. As, as, as one of our, Tim, Tim and my uh, mutual drumming friends would say, uh, DLR had enough consumed enough booze to kill three Clydesdales that day. Oh my gosh, dude. It's, 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 yeah. it's sickening to watch. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing. Like, yeah. and I own it. I own it, but it's just yeah. like the poor dude, like he can't even get through a sentence, man. Nah, now to listen to him, like people had shared 
people shared video of his of his thing in Vegas. And yeah. and it was oh my god, dude. What really? Well, he's never been a singer. He's always no, been a I know he hasn't, but he could he could carry a tune at one time. Yeah, well, and I know the us best when they what do they play Romeo Delight? Is that what they playing at us best where he's like, I forgot the yeah, yeah, words. Yeah, <laughs> he just, yeah, he's just like, Yeah. Got the bottle of Jack Daniels being served to him by the midget in the tuxedo. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely. All right, here's here's one that we, we end with okay uh if there's one thing that you could do for mental health without any kind of you know um anything getting in the way if you could just pick one thing that you could do um what would it be i think it would be don't be so hard on myself be honest with myself and Whatever I know, if I can help somebody else with it, pay it forward and help another person. And particularly that, you know, in, in the realm of substance abuse and going right back to talking, you know, can't really talk specifically about things like Alcoholics Anonymous, but that started when two guys got together and started talking. To one right, right. That's kind of how this it, all started. Right. And then they, they went and they sought out other people to talk to. They did that. They went around the hospitals and, and that's how each one teach one, each one share with one, not really teach because all they, they had their own experience as drunks. And it turns out that talking to each other um, spread like wildfire and that's how it works. All I have is my own experience. That's it. That's all I excellent, have. Excellent, man. No, that's excellent. excellent. That's, dude, that's such a good way to, that's such a good way to end it, man. Thank you so much for doing this, dude. It was Thank so good you guys. to see you, man. It's good so to good see you to guys see too. Keep up what you're doing. You're going to help. You, you could be helping tons of people. Like I said, we might, you know, you do this stuff. We do this kind of helping stuff and we, we don't know who we're affecting. No, you don't. It's true. You don't. It's true. And I think, I definitely think this episode um, put us another step further in that helping. I think. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, and that was awesome. Like you, you brought a, a great, like awesome perspective it's, it was great man it was great to oh thanks and if you I'm ever want, to... if you ever want to do it again after this airs man we can do it again let me know i'm game to do it anytime you want awesome there's oh, always definitely. something to talk about when it yeah. comes to this Absolutely. there is we could talk for a long time for sure yeah yeah, yeah let man. me know awesome thank so, you thanks, guys so until next thanks, time dude. be well be safe be Above. Above Ground Podcast is in no way intended to be a substitute for professional help in any manner or degree. We are not therapists, doctors, or professionals in the medical field. These are the opinions and experiences of two individuals just like you, our peers, who live with mental illness and all of its conditions. If you or anyone you know are experiencing a mental health crisis, please go to your nearest emergency room, call 911, or you can call the National Suicide Hotline 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Be well, be safe, be above.